Hello, Denver United, and welcome to our Awakening podcast series. It's the start of the year when we turn our focus every year to the singular pursuit of God, knowing him because he knows us and invites us into relationship with him, stripping away the clutter, focusing in on what matters most and reprioritizing, kind of what people are doing all across the world as we make New Year's resolutions, but with Jesus at the center um, that's what Awakening is all about. And this podcast series it, it is intended to supplement our daily Awakening prayer meetings that are Monday through Friday from 1230 to 1. We'd love for you to be a part of those. Join us. They're refreshing. They're simple and accessible. Simply go to denverunited.com, click on the Join Awakening prayer meeting box, and it'll take you into the, the Zoom room. And uh, you're with the family of God at Denver United. And, and um, it's been a great way to see Kim. Awakening is about prayer, fasting, and consecration, which is personally uh, dialing my soul in to choose Jesus anew and afresh and put him uh, on in first place in my heart. So we're going to discuss some of that today in a roundtable format. I am joined by an esteemed panel of my colleagues and your friends, Kaysen Cruz. What's up, guys? Good to be with you guys. You all know Kaysen, our worship leader, and uh, a, a, you may or may not know this about Kaysen, a genuinely deep thinker and a deep soul. Okay, and, and Lindsey Greer, our creative hey. director. Hey, it's good to be here from my couch. <laughs> yeah, nothing like a Zoom discussion about prayer and fasting. This is a sign of the yep. time. And then your friend and mine, the man with the brisk ankles, Pastor George Towers. I leave my ankles out of this conversation. I take offense to it. And I also take offense on behalf of Kaysen, suggesting that it would be something that people don't know about him, that he's a deep thinker with a lot of things to say. I don't. I take offense to that also on your behalf, Kaysen. I didn't quite how to take that one. Yeah, you're right. <laughs> the point, of course, isn't that they might not know, having spent hours and hours interacting with him, that in spite of how shallow he might present, that he's actually deep. The point is that they may have only heard him sing and not had the chance to inter, uh, interact with him. How is the quickest way to get out of a hole, Rob? <laughs> I'm just going to stand firm on the solid ground that Kaysen is a deep thinker. Oh, he is. A deep well. And I'm not going to let you twist that. Okay. I, I, if my ankles were cold all day, I'd be cranky too. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> I get it. I feel compassion for you. Where you take offense, I feel empathy. I do it. I have it happen to me sometimes too, where my ankles get cold and I wear socks. <laughs> all right. The all subject right, for today, before it gets shanghaied. <laughs> Matthew chapter six, I want to look at the word of God and, and talk a little bit about that which uh, we are undertaking here at the start of the year with awakening. Jesus is teaching in the Sermon on the Mount and he says, watch out, don't let, don't do your good deeds publicly to be admired by others for you will lose the reward from your father in heaven. So that's kind of the, the thesis sentence, right? Um, and then in verse five, he continues when you pray, don't be like the hypocrites. They love to pray publicly. They want the praise of people. They want to be seen as a big deal, right? He says, don't pray that way. Um, but when you pray, go away by yourself. Shut the door and pray to your father in private. When you pray, don't babble on and on. Don't carry on thinking that your eloquence or your, your exhaustive content is what's going to move God. 
Um, but instead, when you pray, pray this way. He gives them the sermon, uh, or rather the um, the Lord's Prayer as a simple model for prayer. And, and that's been a, a cherished gift for us as believers for centuries. Then he continues, and often, you know, the readership falls off, like the number of people online trickles down. And then when you get to the when you fast line, it kind of drops off a cliff, right? Verse 16 says, and when you fast, don't make it obvious as the hypocrites do. They try to look miserable and disheveled so people will admire them for their fasting, presumably thinking that they are holy. But when you fast, comb your hair, wash your face, and no one will notice your fasting except your Father in heaven. Okay, so fasting is contextualized alongside prayer. And prayer needs no explanation on this account. When you pray, Jesus says, pray this way. And I think the clear and, and broadly understood implication is that prayer is a, an indispensable component of the normal Christian life. To know God, you pray. And even if we who call ourselves Christians don't or don't in a time in our life, very few of us are going to make the case that, we, that we're not supposed to or that prayer isn't central to knowing God. I think the way, though, that our understanding of fasting sort of plays out would follow a reading that went like this. When you pray, don't pray like this, pray like that. And, and everyone's like, yeah, right. And then you know what? If you want to level up and fast, if you're wanting to go like to the to the 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 double diamond level of Christianity, or you're wanting to do like an in with the old walk with the desert fathers thing, and you want to go like really niche Christianity. And if you fast, fast like this. But Jesus doesn't say that. He says, when you pray, pray this way. And as matter of factly as the first, he goes on to say, when you fast, fast that way, suggesting that fasting is as much a part of the normal Christian life in Jesus' concept as is praying. Yet I think we in the 21st century American church view them vastly differently, such that fasting has fallen off of the radar screen of many Christians' experience of walking with the Lord. And I'm curious, guys, as to why that is. Lindsay, what's your experience been or understanding as, as you've uh, encountered Christian life and, and then grown as a, a mature follower of Jesus and leader in the body with regard to fasting in this way? Yeah, I mean, I, I'm definitely the youngest believer out of all of you. I came to know Jesus uh, 2014. So as an adult, um, and I had no uh, background of church um, to draw on. So fasting wasn't even something that I was aware of. Um, when I heard about it, it was within the first maybe six months. And I didn't know that there were different types of fast. And, and I guess I kind of looked at it as you just described, Rob. Um, and I don't think it was through any fault of anyone's, but I looked at it as like the leveling up Christianity. And I have a very intense personality anyway. So I went whole hog with a seven day water only fast. And that should surprise none of you. Um, <laughs> and it was like, I didn't get it. I didn't get it. Um, but I, I think generally how I've approached my time as a believer is even if I don't get it, if it's there and if Jesus recommends it, I'm going to do it. And I'm just going to ask him for the understanding along the way. So I, I probably have the like cannonball into the uh, deep end approach. 
I love that. And no, that does not surprise me. You going whole hog on a seven day water fast is very easy of you. And, and I, I am confident God bless that. Kason, what's your experience been? Why, uh, from your point of view, coming through the years to know the Lord in, in mature faith, why has fasting sort of been relegated to the upgrade option or the niche boutique alternative expression? Yeah, I think sometimes it's just not talked about a lot, you know, like um, I remember the first time I even heard the word fasting, like I didn't understand that that was, I had no idea what it was. Like I only thought like, okay, you have slow and fast. How can you take fast and make it a action? Like, what does that mean? I really had no idea, um, no clue about it. But as I started to grow up, I grew up in kind of a specific niche of of Christianity or like kind of a, a denominational field that like kind of responded to extremes in Christianity. And like, I think all I really heard about fasting was a response to here's how you don't do it. And it was responding to the really intense, like maybe a little bit misguided um, idea of fasting that you're doing this big thing to like make God do something. Like it's a way of twisting his arm. And and I didn't, you know, hadn't grown up hearing that, but all I heard was don't do that. And what it ended up being was kind of for me and in the culture I was in, it was like, you just don't fast or like, we didn't talk about it much. It was kind of this thing that was in the closet and like only the super spiritual people knew about that. And um, so I don't know, it kind of kept me away from it um, for a while. So yeah, that was a deterrence for me. Yeah, I, I think a lot of us can relate to that. I, I certainly can. I and mean, we, we've come from very different faith traditions, but um, maybe one thing that ties them together is that fasting hasn't been a, a part of mainstream, normal Christian life. Uh, George, why do you think that is? I, I, maybe this is too philosophical, um, but you know, we'll go there. I just feel like at least in our culture that most of us grew up in that would be listening to this podcast, we're not used to lack or to not having or whatever, you know what I mean? Or, or our, if we do have a lack, we want to alleviate the lack. We want to lack the lack, you know? So like if, if it's a little cold in the car, we turn the heat on. Mm -hmm. um, if I'm a little, like if I'm a little chilly, instead of just being a little cold, I want to not be cold. You know what I mean? So I feel like there's just a, we don't like to not have or to go without. So to put ourselves intentionally in a situation where we're going without probably just goes counter to everything in our culture and probably just everything that, um, uh, that that's wired in us in a deep level. Like we want to fill every void. So intentionally creating a void is kind of strange. Um, that I think that would be my thought on why it's something that we don't really go to naturally. And I think we've seen a lot of maybe abuse or different things like that, that Casey, you were kind of getting at, but I don't think we like to, we don't like lack. We want to lack the lack. Boy, that's sort of really, I think that's a, a, an interesting insight. And I hadn't thought of it exactly that way, but you're right. We, we have grown up and we've lived all our lives. Most of our church family, a few of, of the most senior among us might remember times when, um, it, things weren't abundant and relatively instant or, or, or quickly available, but we, we have been cultured and conditioned from birth to convenience and to comfort. 
right? The I think a, an icon of that, a symbol of that would be like the automatic climate control in the car. When I was a kid, I remember um, like on the Price is Right when they won the car, like the sweet car was the one that had automatic climate control. And I remember asking my dad, what does that mean? And he's like, well, in super fancy, like rich people's cars, you can just set a temperature and it keeps the car automatically that temperature. And I'm like, dang, now half, three quarters of the cars on the road that you buy new have that because we, we take that luxury in one generation and then adopt it as a, as a convenience in the next and then as a, a, an entitlement in the one after. Yeah, and I think even with that, in the case, and I think this is what you were kind of getting at, was about using fasting to, as, a, as a means to control or to get God to do something. So in a weird way, sometimes even we, we, we fast and create lack so that God will fill another lack somewhere else. Like we just fall into the same, like we're trying, we, some people would use fasting to try to get God to wow. do something that conveniences them anyway. So it's the same stuff of us just trying to not go without. So we go without, so we don't have to. It's a weird thing. Dang, that's right. good. Yeah. Okay. So let that, let's go there. Let's 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 follow that rabbit for a minute. Jesus says, when you fast, don't do it this way. And he starts off somewhat uncharacteristically for Jesus in the negative um, by by creating a boundary and uh, and describing first what fasting is not. And I think maybe the implication or maybe the the reason for that is because that's where it wants to go. In in, in the that's where our our broken sinful humanity wants to take it, or maybe that's where our culture's tide carries it. He says, when you fast, don't do it like this in a way that is for public show or in a way that is in response to um, corporate pressure, like like Lindsay said, and like Kaysen said, in a way that um, seems like you're accomplishing something intrinsically by depriving yourself, and you're accomplishing then more if you deprive yourself more, right? Don't do it that way. And, um, and I think maybe Jesus was anticipating that humanity and our culture might take it there. Like, guys, have you had that experience um, or have you been around uh, a church experience where fasting to the extent that it was talked about, was talked about as maybe an end unto itself, or at least it was implied, rather than a means to an end? Case, and what was, maybe you could unpack your experience uh, growing up hearing about it a little more. Yeah, I think, um, yeah, like the church I grew up in when they were combating like a mindset was, it was the mindset of like, okay, you know, if you really want to see breakthrough in an area or you want to, you know, see something change in your life or whatever, um, it was like, we are going to buckle down and fast, like, and this is the way it's going to happen. And I think, yeah, like what I've discovered is I think that was a good intent. Um, it was a, it's the, because there is a truth to like, there's a power behind fasting. And, and I, you know, I even heard teaching about how when Jesus would say, um, or when, you know, one of the disciples couldn't cast out a demon, he said, these only come out by prayer and fasting. And so there's obviously some kind of implication that fasting is another level and, and goes further and deeper than just like praying. And, and, um, but man, I, I think it was a it was a good intent, but it just took the wrong it made fasting the wrong focus. It made it like almost like an, an achieving thing. Like you're trying by fasting, you're achieving something, you're getting something to happen or getting God to do something, which may happen, but it seemed like just a wrong motivation. I think that's really common too, because the 
the implication of deprivation, it, it almost, I may, maybe I have this like wrong in my head, but my understanding when I've heard it, it almost has the implication of like competition is going to get you a little bit further. So when you look at, I mean, even on our page, you know, we've got the where to start with fasting and it kind of takes you through different types of fasts. Even if we say it in the best way, I think sometimes it can just land as like the seven day water fast is better. Like if you can get there, then you're like, you know, something's really going to move versus like fasting social media. Um, and I don't know what that is. Maybe it's just like humans taking it and running with it and not necessarily pausing to reflect on why would that be so central? Like you were saying, Rob, prayer, it kind of goes hand in hand. It's, it's central to the life of a Christian. Um, I, yeah, I, I think it's just a classic example of we take it and we run until it's like, you know, we're on the hamster wheel trying to figure out how to do it best. Yeah, my experience was very similar, probably, you know, just, uh, I, I think fasting, at least when I, when I was growing up, was talked about a more frequently maybe than some others, uh, but it was certainly like, Kason, like you said, like these come out not by, except by prayer and fasting, like that's in the, that's in the scripture, G like Jesus said that, I don't really know what that means, but we definitely hooked onto that of like, if you want to see God move in your life, like, it was like, you have to do this. You know what I mean? So the most spiritual one was the one who could go the longest. Like, you know, like if you were fasting, like a, like a smoothie only fast was like low brow, like, come on, man. Like that's easy. Like do something harder. And then the people like <laughs> my parents were some of those folks, they did some crazy fast, which I still look up to. Like, that's crazy. Like you went 10 days with no food at all. And I'm just like, Whoa. But there, I think there was behind that, at least in the air, like it, like an achievement, a, a, the, the, the one who can 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 endure the most suffering uh, will get the biggest box of goodies at the end, you know. Um, and I, I think that's just how it was presented. And I think, you know, like we said earlier, I think that's why some people reject that because it, it, it's attached to a lot of works-based religion that many of us are trying to unlearn any, anyway. Um, but it definitely that was my experience. It was like, how who can endure the most pain among us? And just let me clarify my first ever fast was horrendous like I do not recommend that like jumping right in like I don't I don't know if we're gonna maybe flesh this out later but like it's a huge belief of mine now like you have to be led and you have to be yeah. encouraged by the spirit of why you're doing it what you're doing what that looks like so please don't hear that as like I did the best fast it was horrible <laughs> I was actually a little in awe of you until you said that um, no, the, uh, the, the, the context in which Jesus first brings up fasting isn't with regard to demons coming out and sort of a, a black diamond level um, challenge and how to arm ourselves for that, though I, he does say it. His context for introducing prayer and fasting is first primary, right? It's in the Sermon on the Mount. It's right up front. I mean, he doesn't, he, he, there's a lot of things he doesn't get to before prayer and fasting. And so that's why we're having this conversation. That's why we're doing it. And that's why we're fighting to redeem this spiritual discipline because it seems significant to Jesus, right? So he said, when you pray, pray this way. When you fast, fast this way. Implication, pray fast. This is part of what it means to, to follow me. Um, and then uh, he, his, so he introduces them collectively, and they seem to be a sort of tandem discipline that worked synergistically. We'll talk more about that. But then um, 
then he, he frames them as we started off by saying in the light of what not to do. And, and your experiences and mine and many of our church families, I think, bear out why, right? Why Jesus framed it that way. So what is he saying? He's saying, um, don't do it like the hypocrites do it. This taps into one of Jesus' major rhetorical themes throughout the Gospels, all of them. He's bashing the Pharisees. Is it because he bashes people? Is it because he's got a combative personality? Is he a is he a challenger on the Enneagram where he just wants to point out what they what they got <laughs> what they need to know? Um, I think he's looking at maybe maybe all those things. Probably not that he's a basher, but I think he's seeing faith held out as right but being done wrong and by the leaders that people are looking to, and he says that's not the way. So take that in the context of Jesus, sort of overarching redress of the Pharisees. What's he getting at? He's saying, don't do it for show. Religion must not be outside in. Yeah. It must be inside out. And with prayer and fasting in particular, that inside is inside the, the secret place, Jesus says, between you and the Father. And so that secret place metaphor uh, harkens Old Testament poetic literature references to the intimate relationship that God desires with us and we respond in Christ to have with him. He, the spirit and bride say, come, we say yes. And then he says, if you open the door, I'll come in and dine with you. There's an intimacy with God that is the setting for prayer and fasting. Point being, maybe fasting isn't just a means to an end rather than an end to itself than an end to itself but it is a private discipline not to be understood and experienced at least um, evaluated in the context of community as differentiated from much of the rest of Christianity, which is to be experienced and understood in the context of community. Love, for example, means very, very, very little outside the context of community. I mean, I can be the most loving guy on earth up until the point where I leave my house in the morning because I'm not challenged very much, right? But as soon as I interact with humans, then love is born out for better or for worse. Not so though with fasting, Lindsay. I, I almost wonder, because as you're making that distinction of, you know, most of Christianity being a communal pursuit um, alongside your personal relationship with, with the Lord, I wonder if when we kind of miss, um, misappropriate it to being a personal thing, if it maybe highlights our uncomfortableness with inviting God into that very intimate space, um, because fasting kind of facilitating that very personal intimate relationship and have and demanding in a sense that you interact with him and that um, it be a face-to-face -face experience in prayer and in journaling or, or whatever that looks like um, if you lose that edge of it then I think yeah it immediately becomes um, about the action and what it could look like potentially yeah and I, I just as we were talking about this and Rob what you're sharing about the uh just what Jesus highlighted, don't do this for show. It gets at something that at the core of it is motive. Like what is our motive and what's the heart behind it? And of course, that's not surprising in Jesus manner, you know, to go to the heart of things like he always did. And I think I want to be careful not to misguide anyone who's listening to this, that like, 
you know, um, I mean, there are some amazing scriptural examples of like what fasting did, like something that it accomplished. Like Jesus went in the wilderness for 40 days and then came out and was tempted by the devil and was like full of the spirit and full of the word and like conquered challenges. And, you know, Mari this last Sunday referenced Esther and how she decided to pray and fast before she went to the king. So like no doubt, like fasting can be a powerful thing to do leading up to something that's good. And I think the difference is expectancy and faith versus using God. And I think that's kind of the difference. Like if our motive is to use God for something for our own personal gain, different than having expectancy and faith for God to do something as a, as a part of our fast and using the fast in us. Well, that's a really good point. Uh, I think that does get to the heart of the distinction. And this is the beginning of the discussion of fasting, right? I think you make a great point, Case and Anne Lindsay, then that the, if this conversation up until now, if these 20 minutes were the sum of, of what we, uh, we're trying to communicate that fasting is, we would not have, we would have the wrong of it just as much as the Pharisees, right? The point of fasting isn't to limit and, and, and diminish it until it's fasting for everyone, but it's easy. I mean, it's supposed to be hard. It's supposed to challenge our flesh in some in some practical way, right? It's though that it, it mustn't be understood as, as means to gain um, or a, as an end of, of stature in itself or as a plug in play, like a power pellet. You know, if I do this, I'll, my muscles will get big and I'll be able to, to put enemies to flight in, a, in, in quite so um, transactional a fashion. That said, Jesus made it clear, not if, but when. Not should you prefer to fast or not if you really feel an up to it or, but when he, there's an expectation that to be his follower, this is part of what it looks like. Why? So we've talked about kind of lowering the bar to fasting so that some of the false, um, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Um, things that keep us from, from it. Um, there's a word there. I'm yeah, Barriers, thank you. The false barriers are removed or at least right size, they're lowered. Um, but there is a hurdle and Jesus does call us over it. And I think it can't just be to prove that, er, I love God, gosh darn it, I really mean it. I'm willing to, to beat myself up. What is the practical value of sacrifice in a culture that does everything possible to erase sacrifice as a part of our life, George? It's a great question. I think, I mean, I, I want to be careful to, to, to try to assign, you know, one meaning to why, you know, like there's, there's probably a million um, reasons to why I think Jesus calls us to do that. The one that I've been thinking about the most recently is sort of what I said earlier. I think, I think one of the whys is it, is it makes us more, comfortable going without it makes us more comfortable with lack um and i guess what i mean by that is is you know jesus said like in this life you'll have trouble you know like there's gonna be voids in your life that that, that are just gonna hit you in various forms whether it be with a relationship or with health or with something that's happening that's outside of your control like there's gonna be voids and there's gonna be lack and I think what happens when you fast is you get to practice intentionally going without and having a void that doesn't get filled <laughs> and then realizing that you made it like, oh, I'm hungry and I feel it. 
And then somehow you still survive, you know, like you make it through to the other side. And what that hunger does, Rob, you talked about this a lot, is it's a trigger. It's a cue for us to turn to God instead of trying to fill it with something else. And I, I, to me, that's one of the more, more uh, foundational things that fasting does for me uh, is it makes me get comfortable with lack and to mm-hmm. stop trying to lack the lack, to embrace it, to turn to God and know that he will get me through on the other side. I can get more comfortable with voids and spaces. I love that. Jesus said, blessed are you who hunger and thirst for righteousness. There is a, he blesses the lack because we recognize that uh, in doing so that our, our satisfaction, our fulfillment is not in this physical being or in this physical world that his rich and abundant life begins here as a foretaste, but it, it ends so much farther that we're settling for too little rather than expecting too much. And, and um, our culture says everything the opposite. That's such an important distinction. You know, Kaysen, at its essence, we talk about this a lot, you and I, and, and you lead us this way in, in worship. Uh, worship is sacrifice, right? The first worship was priests going into a temple and taking the animals, which the people gave up that were their, their, sustenance, but there was also their livelihood. That was their currency, right? It was an agrarian and animal husbandry culture. And so to, to take what they needed to live and feed their families and, and pay their workers and give it up willingly was worship. And then the priest would sacrifice it to God. And now we bring this, this, this so-called sacrifice of praise into the house of the Lord. And David, as we often talk about, said, I will not make a sacrifice to the Lord, which costs me nothing. I wonder if part of fasting is is creating willful sacrifice to say, God, I want pizza, but I want you more. What do you think about that? Yeah, I think it totally does that. You know, like this awakening time as, as being on staff here at Denver United, we come to know as part of our yearly rhythm, we kick off the year with this fasting and prayer. And I have to like be honest with you guys that like I both look forward to it and anticipate it with great expectation and I'm excited about it. And I also loathe it because I don't like fasting. No, I mean, no person enjoys it. Our flesh does not enjoy to deprive ourselves of something that we want or even need. Fasting points at something that you need. And that's why we obviously couldn't live forever fasting because we were intended to eat food and consume um, nutrients to survive and to live but causing our body to go without something for a period of time points us to a greater need um, that is Jesus and so what I find when I'm fasting is that every time that moment happens where I let's say if it's food I'm wanting to eat and I'm reminding myself oh no like God's in charge here I'm putting him at the center of my heart. It's a constant reminder of who's really on the throne. Uh, God's on the throne of my heart, not me. I'm submitting myself to him again and again. And you find yourself giving something that costs, but it's also um, training you and training your heart to worship God in a very practical way. Uh, yeah, on that practicality, the I think the discomfort of all that you're describing, Kaysen, it's a very physical uh, reality for something that is so supernatural um, and, and truths that we live in as citizens of heaven. But it's a very physical, very earthly 
discomfort to engage and sort of, um, I don't know how it happens. And, and I, there are so many other people that understand fasting way better than I do, but the, the discomfort in the physical somehow bridges the desire in the spiritual. And, and I just, I got to trust that Jesus recommends it be central to our lives because he knows how our spirit, soul and body kind of make that connection and work best with him. So, I mean, yeah, I, I don't fully understand it, but there is something to that discomfort that, that brings me around to, um, desiring a fast, even though, uh, emotionally I hate it too. <laughs> I really love the language um, and, and the tones that, that you guys are using. There's something about it. And I think it is inexact, maybe on purpose, right? Uh, prayer is no different. I don't, I, I'll confess, I don't know how it works. I'm not sure I totally know what it is. Right. It's happening. Right. But I do know that it is right and good. And I know that it is powerful, powerful in my soul, because I've spent 30 years growing closer to God as I have responded to uh, his in gentle instruction to know him in prayer. And I know that it brings power. Well, likewise with fasting, I know that it is good. And I know that it bring, it has power in my life, as you guys are talking about, to connect to God. And it has power in this world to stimulate the, the Holy Spirit's activity. We're going to talk about that in our next discussion. Um, and so we'll leave it as a sort of cliffhanger, because like most spiritual disciplines, there's not just one correlation or one one purpose, as, as you began uh, in, in sharing George, but such an important discussion in sort of demystifying and maybe lowering the bar, uh, but also normalizing fasting as a part of the good Christian life. Jesus promises that whether or not we understand how it works, that's not the point. He doesn't require that we be able to teach a seminary course in prayer and fasting in order to participate in it and benefit from it. And so may God find us faithful. Let's continue in this time of prayer, fasting, and consecration that we begin the year with each year. We call it awakening and go hard after God. He said, you will seek me and you will find me, not when you understand the mechanisms completely. He said, you will seek me and you will find me when you seek me with all of your heart. George, would you close us in prayer? Yeah, for sure. Jesus, thank you for this time and for every single person that's listening to this right now. And Lord, we just ask that you would give us the courage um, and just the boldness to step into this space. If it's new for us, if we've never done it before, or maybe we had bad experiences with, with fasting or with anything like that, God, would you just uh, reset us uh, in this season? Give us the courage to step into it. Uh, examine our motives and why that we're doing it. God, we want to do it out of the, out of the right place just to, to meet you and to know you more. That's, that's what, it's, what it's all about. So Lord, would you, would you do that? Give us the grace to do it um, and continue to show us more of yourself. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you guys for this conversation. Yeah. Really helpful and encouraging. I hope it's helpful to you all. We love you. God bless you as you continue seeking God and we'll talk to you next time.